Winter, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today, I'm looking definitely forward to learn about more about like the KSA region together with my co-host Lina. Uh, um, here, we are talking about KSA, Tsunomi, and your own journey into this kind of market. So welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. And please introduce yourself uh, um, a bit and Tsunomi. First of all, hello, Lina. Hello, Alex. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure and honor to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, well, uh, a short introduction. I'm the actual CEO of Sonoma Retail. Sonoma Retail is a Saudi Arabia-based uh, retail organization uh, operating in, in more than 1,500 stores, uh, having more than 65 brands in 11 countries and approximately more than 10,000 employees. Our headquarters is based in Riyadh, so we are, we are working out of Riyadh, but uh, also the, the broader MENA area, so from Morocco, uh, Jordan, Egypt, and the CS countries mainly um, are operated by us. Uh, what are we doing? Uh, we're the largest franchise retailer in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So that means uh, when you're shopping in shopping malls and when you're, for example, going to a Sarah store, a Massimo Tutti store, or to an Apple store, or the Elif store, that's the, that's the name down there, uh, it's literally the stores what we're running. Uh, and that's the business what we're doing. And uh, uh, beside that, Senomi, which is the sister company, Senomi Centers, we own, uh, I would say, 80% of the shopping malls in Saudi Arabia. Uh, that makes it on the one hand easy, but also on the other hand, also tricky, uh, to run this organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, uh, some of you, uh, some of the listeners, uh, may, maybe are following your personal, uh, journey when it comes to, uh, retail CEO, uh, positions. And, uh, you've been working for Aldi, for example, of, or for Müller. And, uh, therefore you, you have quite some experience in the European retail market. Um, this makes it even more interesting here in the podcast. So what, what, what brought you into that region and what have you learned in your, like your first year? That's a good question, actually. Um, to be honest, you know, I learned all my retail skills through my 15 Aldi, 15 years with Aldi, you know, grocery discount, grocery retail. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to work, uh, on a, on a global basis. So it was really an exciting journey. After that, through my Müller journey, I've, I've learned how to run, I would say, a department store because the concept of Müller doesn't really exist a second time in the world, uh, which is, I think, unique and, uh, uh really very successful. Uh, and after that, after this kind of almost 20 years of, you know, uh, being in two typical German, uh, European based, uh, organizations or retail organizations, I thought it's, it's step to move on. Uh, and I was looking into the, the region, the regions, where do you see growth uh, globally? And there at the moment, so when you look now at the globe, uh, three areas where you, where you have growth on the one hand, uh, it's India. On the other hand, it's the USA in certain areas. And for sure, and it's quite, uh, in all, up in all media, it's the Middle East, especially Saudi Arabia. When you look at Vision 2030, when you look at all the big mega projects, what Saudi Arabia is kicking off on the one hand, but also where now the world is looking into Saudi Arabia when it comes to Expo 2030, when it comes to the World Championship, when it comes to the Winter Asian Games. Uh, so it's, there's a lot of accumulation going on down there. And uh, a lot of people say Saudi Arabia is at the moment like Dubai for 15, 20 years ago. It's an easy comparison, but it's also not true because Saudi Arabia is totally different than Dubai. Uh, Dubai is a country dominated by expats. Let me put it that way. Saudi Arabia is an, uh, a really beautiful country with you, where you really have to be exposed to the Arabian hospitality, to a, a Arabian culture, how you do business, how you interact with consumers. And, uh, to come back to your question, why I chose Saudi Arabia, uh, I, I got, uh, approached by a headhunter, offered a great uh, job opportunity. Uh, and here, here I am now since almost a year. 
moved with my family here. Started last year in Ramadan uh, and uh, was experienced then the heat of Saudi Arabia during summer. So <laughs> these are these are all things what uh, what we Europeans are not used to. Uh, but it's uh, it's somehow similar. On the other hand, totally different. Um, and I called it, and my friends asked me, "Why have you done it?" You know, I wanted an adventure in life, uh, and it's on a personal level, but also on a professional level, a huge adventure with a lot of benefits. Maybe one last question before Lena starts, like the next next one, um, because the film was very popular here in in Europe. I don't know if you remember it, it was like with um, with uh, with I think with um, uh, with Tom Hanks. There was a movie ten years ago called A Hologram for the King, where like Hello. the Saudi yeah. Arabia was like in, in the middle, and it and, and it it was really describing it as a very very wild country, especially for expats, like adapting to the culture and it's everything in the desert. It's very uh, kingdom centric, so. How much truth today uh, um, do you do you see if you compared what what was shown in the movie? Well, actually, um, I'm not a big fan of this kind of comparisons. Uh, why it would be the same if I would say, well, if you look at the Pifke saga and talk about the Germans, or if you look about hmm. the sound of sound of music and talk about the Austrian, uh, you get a certain picture and start to put people into boxes. Uh, and uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, for sure there will be some true elements in there for sure like in every uh, culture uh, what you can uh, finger point but it's uh, it's that the change what's happening only within the last three years is uh, it's like a high speed train uh, which is passing through full speed a station where you're just standing there and you're blown away by the speed and the wind uh, which which is going on when you compare it to Europe where um, from the way how decisions are made how society is progressing it becomes more and more like uh, an open-air museum where people from all over the world like to travel there, spend their holidays, go to Paris, go to Berlin, go to Munich, go to Vienna, go to Zurich. But if it, when it comes to you know developing, when it comes to uh, driving the business for, uh, forward, I think the free region, what I mentioned before, and uh, at the moment, those uh, who are really pushing the limits, and that's what you experience in Saudi Arabia. When you talk to the people, All the people from the taxi driver down to the CEO management to the shareholders of businesses, everyone is aligned uh, under Vision 2030. Uh, and you get more and more the feeling that this uh, country is somehow run like a company. So everyone is aligned on the vision. Everyone works towards that vision. Um, and it's, a, I think, a totally different exposure what you have in Europe where you have, I would say, a lot of argumentation about uh, minor points uh, where we got distracted from the real issues uh, what have to be solved. And uh, Is everything good in Saudi Arabia? Not for sure, not. But uh, but they are trying to do it better. Uh, and at least this effort to become better the day than before is for me inspiring. And this is also my mindset. Uh, you know, always move on, always keep pushing, uh, make the make the next day better than the the one which is behind you. Uh, and this kind of mindset you get when you're just there and when you just spend a week or ten days in Saudi Arabia, you and you're exposed to all these uh, people and projects. You somehow get the vibe, and uh, and you can't really describe it. You have to feel it, and you have to see it. Mm. So, Gunter, hello. Hello. Uh, yeah. So, as as we are talking about the the vision, the 2030, I actually totally agree with you, and uh, it is like run like a country. And if we look at the e-commerce and the whole digital revolution, they kind of skipped a few centuries, let's say, you know, and. Uh, Uh, we are developing uh, the e-commerce ecosystem in the country, not just, I guess, as Sonomi retail, but the country itself is building the infrastructure required for the e-commerce. And here you are with 65 plus brands 
which probably already has, you know, as a parent company. So you have a country that has a vision and you have the brands that already have successful e-commerce in their own par- uh, comp- in their own countries. So what are your ambitions when it comes to the e-commerce? How are you planning mm-hmm. to shape it? Because you will be the key contributor to the success of e-commerce in that region. Uh, spot on, Lena. Uh, e-commerce and the affinity of people when it comes to, you know, interacting, uh, with e-commerce is, I think, r- amazingly big and it, it's growing day by day. When you look at the, sh- the success of Sheen and of Temo and they are growing double digit numbers, uh, year on year, it's really phenomenal. Uh, on the other hand, you know, as a brick and mortar retailer, that gives us some challenges. So, uh, we are in a transformation from a brick and mortar business and online business to an om- omni-channel business. And, uh, as you know, this is, uh, somehow a painful exercise, uh, when you have to combine, uh, brick and mortar and online. But on the other hand, it's the only solution, uh, the way forward, because at the end, you have to focus on the customer, no matter what business you are. And, uh, every friction, what you have when it comes to interacting with the customer, you have to take out this friction. Uh, and what we see already in the e-commerce is, uh, we have a, a it may be also down to the to the age of the population of Saudi Arabia. I think 70% are below 30 years. So there's a high affinity of young people ordering products uh, through e-commerce. On the one hand, it's easy. It's easy accessible. Uh, price-wise, they have a good price point. Uh, and this is also maybe one wrong perception what Europeans have about Saudi Arabia. Everyone is rich there. Uh, this is a wrong one because uh, Saudi Arabian customers are as cost focused as Europeans, maybe sometimes even more. Uh, and, uh, they are, they are looking after great customer service, uh, and are not accepting, uh, I would say mediocre service. Uh, and therefore you really have to come up with a, a strong solution. And if you look at the e-commerce uh, players in the market, known, for example, is a really one who dominates, uh, the, the area, uh, is doing a great and fantastic job. But on the other hand, if you look at Sheen, uh, and what's going on there, it's, uh, yeah. It's something what you have, what we really have to closely monitor and focus, uh, not to be, I would say, not to lose, uh, the, or not to extend the gap between us because they are already better than us. Uh, but we're here to make it better and to, you know, overtake them on the long run. Yeah. I think you have a very uh, strong brands and you definitely, I'm glad to hear that as, as a, as a leader, you, you acknowledge in the whole e-commerce as a, as a, one of the successful elements. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that in GCC, we, we all like the discounts. And I say to all my clients, I said, we have 365 days a year running on a discount. And the European part is reply saying, if you're discounting it to keep the customers, you already fail. So what's, what's your view? Cause I kind of have an argument around it because the consumer in the Middle East is definitely very different. So do you think that, uh, we don't really have a loyalty and we're just discounting it. Now we spend a year or you think it's just the, because consumers are used to discount. So we kind of have to keep, keep it going to keep them online. I would say it's a two-sided sword. On the one hand, uh, mm-hmm. customer loyalty comes from on the one hand, a great offer and a great price. Uh, and therefore you have to be competitive with everyone in the market. And if the market forces you somehow to run on promotion and discounts, you can't escape that. But the other side, and that's where I think loyalty comes from, is really to really build great customer service. And when you're in interaction with the customer, they're taking away the friction of making business with each other. Um, if you're, if you're getting better and better on th- that level, and there is, I think, a lot of room for improvement, uh, uh, what, what I see so far here, I think you can create this kind of customer loyalty. At the moment, uh, 
it's mainly driven by price. Uh, that's what I have to acknowledge. And, uh, th those people who make the uh, biggest promotions or, you know, who shout the loudest about discounts, uh, uh, look like they are the most successful. But there is, you know, an old wisdom we retailers say, uh, the discounts what you gave uh, is the margin what you added beforehand. So therefore, uh, just watch closely. Um, and, uh, but you're right. It's, it's, uh, the customer loyalty is at the moment more, uh, I would say diluted by the price point. So, so actually I'm, I'm talking, uh, this week, this Thursday, uh, I don't know when this podcast will be aired, but like this Thursday in the, um, in the ORF in your home, mm -hmm. home country about Timo and Shein in the discount, mm -hmm. uh, culture there. Uh, but before we are deep diving in there, um, so you're saying you're running like a franchise, you're, it's kind of a franchising organization, yeah. like getting the brands into the market, uh, like, like Zara, for example, correct? correct. If I, if I correct, wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. but what does it mean? So you, you, you then, You're responsible for the um, uh, brick and mortar operations and the online operations. So Correct. therefore, you need to decide where to spend money in 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 order to get customers in front of the, of the Zara uh, merchandise. Is, is that correct, or is there like a global Zara organization spending some Google marketing dollars in the KSA region on top? Well, actually, uh, it's a mixture. There is there is no black and white. Uh, but on the one hand, we, uh, I would say we have a really great partnership uh, and cooperation with Inditex and, and Zara especially. Uh, and this is more like, uh, even though we're two companies, we somehow work like one company. Uh, and that, that's mm -hmm. why I'd say it's hard to distinguish. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, the online, uh, and the brick and mortar, we are, we are operating that and we are responsible for, uh, what's, what's happening within, uh, the geographical uh, footprint, uh, of, of Saudi Arabia, for example, or, uh, of Jordan, uh, or, you know, of other, of other countries. Uh, and therefore, actually, it's a kind of, it's our decision how to run and to do it. But uh, for sure, all the kind of campaigns what Zara is doing is, uh, we are, uh, you know, we are having them in our countries, uh, as every, every global market is having them as well. So therefore, the, I would say the way forward is decided by Zara, but the execution and the operational excellence is coming from our side. That's where we, <laughs> that we have, I think where we have the expertise. And that's why we also have the trust of, I would say, a lot of remarkable brands because they know, in that market, which is a really different one than Europe one, uh, you need a partner who knows how to operate uh, within all the circumstances uh, what you're facing. And, and now with this upcoming trend from new Chinese verticalized uh, retailers, so Shein is a retailer for the ones that, that are not aware of it, that is like um, connected to a couple of manufacturers in China and is trying to put out 3,000 to 5,000 SKUs new SKUs per day uh, on the platform. And so I'm following a lot of like discussions with like European retailers on it and even the, and including Inditex and uh, Zalando and About You and Otto. And they have a hard time to play catch up because it seems to be like a change in the whole supply chain model. So how mm -hmm. brands and how products are um, are built. And I've read like last week a, a comment in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very well-known uh, journal about the textile industry that, um, uh, uh, um, that the, the brands itself are becoming like less valuable because like it's, it's more about affordable bargains for the customer and uh, a more, Uh, a shorter time to market for certain products uh, um, um, that they want to have, and for them it's it doesn't matter if they if there's a Zara brand on it or an Adidas brand or, or whatever. So, and this led actually to a very very sparky discussion uh, in the market. Uh, um, and I would like to understand like your view here. So, from a customer adoption point of view, obviously the this proposition of like new Chinese companies seems to be very attractive, but. 
what should a brand do like what if 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 there's any if if you could play wish for wishful thinking so what is it what what would be the the best reaction here or or are we maybe too progressive when it comes to the future trajectory of chinese platforms let me put it that way um you know and i've i have somehow a kind of uh, uh a halo effect because when i was working for aldi we, there was always a discussion uh is it only the price uh, the reason what what brings customer back or is it something else and uh And I say price is one argument, but what I said beforehand, customer loyalty comes from something else. On the one hand, the trust that you have a fair price and that you're not getting pulled over the table, as you would say uh, in good old Germany. Uh, so therefore, you have to come up uh, with a kind of clear and transparent strategy for your pricing. It's not only about price, about your quality. It's about how, uh, what factories are you manufacturing? What is your impact on environment? And therefore, we are talking about maybe different kind of customers. On the one hand, you have the customer who is purely focusing on price. Uh, and therefore, those those customers don't really care about the emotional value of a brand. So in the, in the way of, that's what I want to talk to you. If, it, if you develop your brand, for example, any kind of fashion brand, let's make, take Sarah as an example. If you add an emotional value to this brand, what and with every black T-shirt you're buying, for, the shoe, for one hand, you're, you're getting a certain quality for a certain price. But on the other hand, you're also proud of having a Sarah T-shirt, uh, for example. And this kind of, added value you can't really uh measure in, in the classical way and by by my making a brand uh emotionally where your customer is emotionally attached to what you as a company are doing uh you create this kind of uh, loyalty and but coming back to only customers who are looking after the best price and best deal there is literally no argument or no no chance how to beat uh, compare uh, companies like sheen and temo and others with uh, their same weapons meaning having the same price point, having the same quality, having the same delivery time. Uh, so all these kind of topics uh, maybe are lined up. At the end of the day, it's the customer who has to make the decision. Does he go for the product? And with everything what goes along with that, you know, by, by every decision what you're making, where you put your dollars or your euros uh, behind it, you somehow uh, make a decision what kind of company, what kind of country, what kind of institution are you somehow sponsoring? And therefore, The more customers are, I would say, educated, maybe the the more their decision will be guided in that direction. Are there any brands in the regions that are like, uh, especially fashion brands that are produced uh, locally? Because uh, maybe I'm I, I remember it wrong from another podcast, but I believe somebody said that part of this kind of um, uh, 2030 vision was also like establishing a certain manufacturing uh, capability in the region around fashion or so. I, I, I forgot it, but are there brands, I don't know, maybe that are like produced in the region and therefore also promoted as like a regional product? And if so, okay. is that something customers are looking for? Uh, I can't really uh, recall you on, on, on that question because I, I don't know it in detail. I know there is an upcoming fashion industry where Saudi Arabia mm. is putting also a lot of money behind it for local designers, local manufacturing, as you're saying. But uh, what's happened is in a, in, what's happening in the society of, of Saudi Arabia is that people are really proud to be Saudis. Uh, it, when you look at the Saudi mm. National Day, at the Independence Day, and Flag Day, what they're having right now, and they're also getting more and more proud about products which are manufactured. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, and when you look at the automotive industry, for example, about the Seo company, uh, which is or Lucid, uh, the the electric uh, electric cars which are coming around the corner, uh, the Saudi government is looking at also not only the the cars, the car assembling, but also all the parts which are produced. Also, Austria will be hit by that quite heavily, I think. Uh, this kind of industry who supplies the car manufacturers 
are moving out to Saudi Arabia to produce locally, uh, to really get mm. a kind of local product and to have, uh, I would say, the value creation within the country. And for sure, one thing is the price point, but for sure, uh, you are proud, like the Germans are proud to buy an Audi, a Mercedes, or a BMW because it's their German car. Uh, this is the idea behind, I think, what, what, uh, on the one hand, Vision 2030 is falling in as well. And where then also loyalty comes with because you're, you're buying a product which is from your country. So somehow the dollars stay within your, within your circle. That's, but early days for the fashion industry, to be honest. Hmm. So Gunter, continuing this whole, how proud they are, I totally agree with you. Like, uh, it, for me, that was the key differentiator of this region. When I moved, they are so, so proud where they come from and they, you know, they, they instill the values into their kids and everything from religion to how they work to, to the language itself. Uh, I think, um, it's, it's you, we all as Europeans sometimes, you know, could be jealous for that. Um, I would like you to give a bit of more flavor to the uh, listeners. As, around, you know, maybe their Southization strategy, because you in retail is really, really exposed. And maybe if you can, you know, maybe you can touch based on the recent learning academy that you launched in Sonomi, because I think as a such experienced leader, your input into that learning academy is something that you cannot buy, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal that you're pushing that trend in, in Saudi. So maybe you can elaborate a bit more. Yeah, so maybe that's one of my core principles what where I run organizations or where I run try to run my family as well because the family is the smallest company you can run uh, if you want to compare it like this and everything comes down to a very simple principle which means leading by example so you can't ask people to do something what you yourself are not willing to do as a leader uh, and this concept I think works globally uh, and is much appreciated in Saudi Arabia for example that people somehow really shocked that you as a CEO, you're going into the stores, that you, you know, you're going into the back room, that you're going into uh, all the the rooms where normally only helpers would go. And uh, and uh, even though you know, try to assist them and work with them, but that's on the one hand creates this kind of loyalty. And you mentioned one topic, Saudization. Uh, this is a Saudization for those listeners who don't know, is a kind of from the government institutionalized law where you have a kind of certain amount in certain fields of the, of the businesses uh, where you need Saudi employees. Uh, this is a kind of threshold. And if you're not having that, uh, you're not applying to the law and get penalties. Uh, the reason behind it is to really enlarge, especially the female workforce, uh, in the country, which they have done. They had like, the goal till vision, uh, till 2030, 30% of females work in the, uh, in the workplace. I think they overachieved it now by 37% already. That has ups and downs. On the one hand, for sure, uh, a lot of unexperienced people are joining, uh, the retail industry, for example, and that brings us on the table. We have to train them, we have to educate them because what you know, for example, from Europe, especially from Germany and Austria, that you have this kind of uh, Azubis and, and, you know, a kind of training for, through the job that you're getting uh, taught over a period of three to four years, how you become a store manager, how you become a warehouse manager. This doesn't really exist in, uh, in Saudi Arabia and therefore this kind of academy teaches really the basics for uh, beginning how to greet the customer, how to work on a till, how to, you know, engage with a customer in the store, eye contact. So all this kind of way say, well, that's your house for done, we would call it. Uh, but uh, this is something when you really want to standardize it and come to and coming back to a kind of certain customer service level, you have to uh, standardize and, and, and uniform this kind of approach. Uh, and bring all the people on, on the, on the same, uh, on the same table. Because what was fascinating for me in the retail industry is on the one hand, Saudi people are very 
into hospitality. So when you are coming to them, they are they host you like you're the king in in, in the families and the private gatherings. Uh, but when it comes to retail, there's a really a lack of engaging with the customer. And this kind of seeing the customer as someone what you have to host uh, is something what we really try to teach and to to really make them brave to speak up to people in, in the store and ask them uh, to guide them through the, through the assortment. That's one of the core pillars of the Sonoma Academy. On the one hand, on the other hand, it also offers uh, uh, young people a professional career in the, in the retail industry, how they, you know, from joining us uh, as a store assistant, up to uh, an area manager, so there you can really run, uh, I would say, a professional retail uh, career uh, within, I would say, one and a half years. Great. So you mentioned, you know, quite the, there are quite a lot of similarities, but there's also quite a lot of differences when you enter the Saudi market. And even if you are Zara, you need to adopt to the local laws, you know, and the local rules and local processes. So we have a lot of listeners that. Maybe already in Dubai or UAE, and as the next big thing, they're looking at Saudi Arabia because even not just globally, everyone's talking about Saudi, but even within the GCC, everyone is really looking into the new leadership of Saudi Arabia, the 2030. And you don't even need to have a European brand entering Saudi. It's actually UAE brand is trying to enter Saudi right. Arabia. So what, what would be your suggestions, you know, for the brands that, uh, completely new and they're just listening to this podcast, should they start from hiring locally or bringing leaders like yourself into to lead it or local presence, like any advice you can give? I think it's, it's a, a mixture. Right? For sure, you need, on the one hand, uh, there, and there are a lot of great Saudi locals who have been trained international and in, in, uh, in world-class uh, universities and now coming back uh, to, to Saudi Arabia to really engage with the country and with the, with the upcoming environment. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, if, if you want to embed your culture as a company, if you want to develop your culture, what you've maybe running in the UAE, for example, when you're running in Europe, uh, for sure you need someone who is somehow the guardian to really look into how much you want to stretch the culture or how much, uh, are you accepting changes and where you, where's the red line? Uh, and this is something where I would say a, a good mixture is, uh, dependent on the industry, uh, I think relevant, but, uh, there are, also, in the experience I'm having is there are really a lot of great talents out there. Uh, the only issue what we are having is as a, uh, as a, uh, as a company is that uh, there are so many projects ongoing from uh, PF is uh, the public investment fund is running. Uh, I would say most of them, they are like a sponge and they suck every great talent into, into the organizations to run Naom, to run uh, the other giga projects, uh, what's going on in Saudi Arabia. So, to find the right talents, I think it's the biggest, like everywhere in the world, it's the, it's the Billix challenge, uh, what you're having. So this so-called war of talents gets in Saudi Arabia on a different level because, or on a higher level, because you have, you have the government, uh, which is really a challenging, uh, employer, uh, who offers great packages, great opportunities, what you don't have in any other country. And, uh, before, maybe to, to, to tell you the story or to, to share it with you, before I started my, my career in Saudi Arabia, I had a phone call with a friend of mine who lives in Dubai and I asked him, what can you tell me about the country? And he said, well, it's in a nutshell, uh, when you look at, uh, at the, at the country, when you work for the government, uh, the risk that you get a burnout is significantly higher than when you work for the private industry. I would say, uh, I, I misheard now. So no, no, it's, it's the opposite of Europe, actually, because the government has such a high pressure to fulfill all these kind of goals, visions, uh, and ambitions, what they're having. So they are really working full speed. And then when you talk to people who are working for the government, 
it's really fascinating to see it's a 24 seven job. It's like, um, uh, if you run a professional corporate career, so that's, uh, quite similar to what we are, what we know from, from the Western world. So, and, and therefore this is maybe a huge difference than any other market, what I know so far. Mm. Yeah, especially in Germany, I would <laughs> I would say nobody's getting a burnout in the government. So uh, um, at least I've I've never heard about this kind of case. So um, maybe not, maybe another thing to compare, thanks, like thanks, with the European. Thanks God, thanks God you mentioned that, and not me. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there are for sure. I think it's also, I think it's also true for the Austrian government. Yeah, but, sure. uh, there are for sure a lot of people in the government in Germany and Austria who are really working quite hard and, uh, and very yeah. ambitious to bring things forward. But it's really, that's but, a unique but, but, thing. but even, even the yeah. hardworking people will admit that the government, uh, is ineffective. So yeah, how we yeah. do it, it's very ineffective. And especially yeah, the right. ones that are hardworking will, uh, will, yeah. will admit it. Um, and, and you, you have like lived through the whole discussion in like your years at ID and, and Müller, uh, um, where, where we, where we talked about like the shift from, Uh, brick and mortar retail in, into online and mm -hmm. um, there was like a first wave when Zalando came out and the second wave and third wave and obviously many department stores uh, do have like huge uh, uh, huge challenges now in um, in Europe we are now in the third insolvency of of Galeria Karstadt Kaufhof uh, many listeners won't know what this is but it's like it was a huge department store group uh, when I talk with uh, with my with my network about the region obviously this examples of like Dubai Mall and Emirates Mall are, are coming up that's a very brick and mortar focused kind of region because and one example was given to me because people would uh, still like to meet in mall kind of infrastructures because especially in the summer because of the heat so it's like it's it's a kind of a free place to meet is it the same in in case a or is a shift uh, to online the same as we're seeing in uh, in europe um to understand this department store and mall environment uh, you really have to understand As you said, the environment here in the Middle East is totally different than in Europe. So, uh, when it comes, especially from the period, I would say beginning of May till end of September, mid of October, down to the outside temperatures. Uh, and I have to say Saudi Arabia and really especially has a different climate than Dubai. Dubai is very humid, really is very dry. So you can really also stay outside, but it's, it's really hot. Uh, and therefore the molds, what you see there, Uh, in Saudi Arabia, they are different than those in Dubai. They are for sure not on that level. Uh, they are, they will get there. There's a lot of thing going on and there is a lot of great development also within our company. Uh, there is a so-called mall called Jewel of Riyadh and Jewel of Jeddah coming, which is a kind of mixture of shopping, entertainment, leisure. It's, it's a place where you meet, uh, and where people, you know, engage with each other. Uh, and this is, uh, missing i would say in europe and therefore maybe uh on the success of online could be a part of it nevertheless i also think uh, and you see it already the success of online is also happening in saudi arabia uh and uh because people like uh you know what, what they like is that they like to engage with each other meet each other and when you uh, when you look at saudi arabia three years from now or in the past tense there was no music there was no restaurants there was no place where you can really spend your time Now there is in a real season coming up. There's a lot of things where you can spend your money. So your, uh, actually, uh, your money is diluted into different areas. So people become more and more cost conscious and they are coming back now to Sheen and e-commerce. These platforms, uh, growing and growing and getting uh, more and more successful because, uh, of the, of the cost consciousness, uh, of the people who want to spend their money, not only for shopping, also for other areas like restaurants, uh, like entertainment and so on. 
There, there's like um, one uh, one thing I was told during the in one podcast and during the seamless conference in Riyadh last uh, last year, which for me sounds like a like a like a miss. Um, and somebody told me that there is like a return thing in uh, in in uh, a return challenge even for brick and mortar stores in case a because people were not used to redress and uh, try on uh, um, um, fashion in the stores because of the um, uh, because background. of hijab yeah. and, and and the cultural yeah. background so they take it home try it on there and then bring it back so you have like you're even in brick and mortar environments are creating returns which like in Europe it's like one of the big arguments of uh, of, of the industry why it sometimes is more efficient to sell um, especially in in low margins business to sell um, offline instead of, of online is this true or is it an urban myth no actually it's true actually the return rates are quite high uh, because the, down to the circumstances that there were in some of the stores till today there are no changing rooms uh, they are They're getting implemented uh, as we speak because this kind of change, what I mentioned uh, over the last three years, is coming so quickly that it's really hard to keep up with all the things of, uh, what's all going, ongoing. Uh, and what can happen actually here is that uh, next week uh, a new law comes up, uh, which makes life even more easier or even more challenging. Uh, so you really have to, not like in Europe where things take really long time uh, and things are being brought and discussed beforehand. Uh, it's a uh, in this area, it's a, a different way how these countries are run. Uh, and this is something we also have to open say that there are not democracies like Europe. So it's a different kind of uh, political system. Uh, and, and therefore, it's a different speed and a different uh, change of things that, that way. Mm -hmm. So digging deeper into this whole omni-channel, and you, know, you mentioned you know, the challenges we face, whether the returns or the, the assortment, um, you are a perfect retailer when it comes to creating the next super app, right? So 65 brands, you know, fashion, uh, you stand a good chance to compete with uh, other regional players like Sixth Street or Namshi. Is, is there a vision to, you know, if we're allowed to speak about, is there a vision uh, to start another super app in the fashion like ASOS of Europe or, or Zalando? Or you are trying to do more as of a traditional omnichannel where we will start individual brands And then click and collect maybe services. Which way are you thinking when it comes to this whole omnichannel e-commerce integration into group like Sonomi? Maybe it's a bit early days to talk about or speak about. Uh, that's why I can't close uh, things here. But what for sure what you've maybe read in the news, and this is something what we can already share. Uh, we're in the in the early stages and uh, uh, with Trendyol, where we're going alongside and building a kind of e-commerce uh platform and offering to our consumers uh, and this will for sure is fast uh, a big thing and for the region a big thing because this will be really on a competitive side uh, an advantage for the consumer uh, and let's see what comes around the corner when it uh, when all of this uh, happens hopefully in the near future inshallah no nice and then just on on digging deeper into that and while you are trying to do maybe your own and and I'm part of Sonomary what are you doing in terms of now because you are technically own like a franchise owner so do you list the products some of the products or some of the brands on the marketplaces like the the aggregators like noon like namshi or like amazon is there anything of that going on or so, uh, currently just we want to build not, our own no no this is already happening uh so actually we are on, the, on those marketplaces uh and and you will find our products there uh maybe not every brand because it's down to uh, internal discussions with the brand partners 
that's why it makes a bit is a bit more complicated to run a franchise organization than if it's your own brand because you uh, have different kind of uh, stakeholders what you have to manage. But a certain amount of brands are on different kind of uh, marketplaces quite successful. And this also also the growth rate what we're having there shows us how important it is uh, to participate in in the in the e-commerce uh, business and to become a real omnichannel retailer. Uh, and therefore, what we are now in, in the phase of really setting up uh, all the backbone when it comes to logistics, when it comes to supply chain. Uh, but this is now early stage, maybe too early to talk about, but we are preparing ourselves uh, uh, for this role and for this direction. So as you are talking about the preparing, so 2030 and e-commerce and tsunami, how do you see that whole shaping up? It will, so, be, it will be it, it will be definitely different than today. Uh, twenty, if it takes uh, as uh, if it takes till twenty thirty, I think we would have failed uh, because e-commerce is a is a at the moment a fast speed game, uh, and therefore you re we really have to step up and uh, have to make our homework there, uh, and therefore hopefully you will see soon something from us. Uh, but it uh, it it should come within the next years. Let me put that way. Exciting! Can't wait. Then one other question. So, um, uh, as a fellow uh, uh, German speaker, so what what are the two or three top moments you are sharing usually with people that are interesting to move to the region or to do business in in the region? Because there's a lot of like opinions uh, about the region, especially in central in central Europe. Uh, but what are like the two or three examples you usually are giving to your friends, family, uh, colleagues that are thinking, okay, uh, that are t asking you. Uh, Günther, how is it in in Riyadh? How is it in in Jeddah? S something where w what will convince them uh, to come or to stay home? Okay. Also, let me put it that way. I think ninety nine percent of all the stereotypes uh, what what are you know discussed being shared in Europe uh, are totally wrong. Uh, you really have to you really have to come and experience on yourself to see it. Uh, And then you will understand everything what maybe someone has experienced five years ago uh, is no longer applicable uh, applicable right now because things have changed uh, in that fast speed. So that, for example, if I tell you I have been in Italy for five years ago and I'm going back now to Italy, maybe the thing looked like five years ago and nothing has changed. When you go to Saudi Arabia five years compared to now, it's actually it is a different country. It's a different mindset. It's a different society. Uh, on the one hand, this is somehow freaking. On the other hand, this is really super exciting. Uh, but what I'm telling uh, people first, experience on yourself. Second, it has a, even though it's really especially talking about, it's in the middle of the desert. It has a beautiful nature, which, uh, for me was unexpected. I, I love the nature. I love to be out there in, in the outdoors. Uh, uh, it's, you know, when it goes to the edge of the world, for example, it's a, it's a, it's like a mountain. Uh, how can you compare it? It's, it's like, uh, the Großglockner for the Austrians, uh, or, Uh, another big mountain for or the Mont Blanc for the Swiss people. Uh, it's really a, a unique place uh, where mm -hmm. you can ex uh, be exposed to the nature, but be only one and a half hour from a downtown of Riyadh away. Um, the hospitality of uh, Saudi Arabia is is unique. It's something what I've been experienced uh, now over this almost a year here, uh, and and in every case surprising, uh, surprisingly positive. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it. The, the vibe, what you get in here is everything is possible. Uh, and it's not about can we do it or is it, uh, or can we not do it? It's about we can do it. It's just when, uh, and, uh, this kind of everything is possible. This, this kind of momentum, this, it's a bit like the American dream. Uh, I would say 
50 years uh, ago where you go there and, and, and build your empire. It looks like uh, when you talk to Saudis, when you talk to a lot of companies who are coming out of Saudi Arabia, uh, they're somehow really sucked in by all this positive uh, change that's going on. And for sure, from a business point of view, uh, there are huge opportunities when it comes to infrastructure, when it comes to all these uh, giga projects, uh, well, which are lined up right now till 2030 and beyond to when it comes to the World Cup. Uh, it's just uh, it's just pure mathematics uh, that you see, well, uh, if, if with everything that's going on there, it's uh, there must be an opportunity for retailers, for building companies, for in- infrastructure companies, for HR people, and so on. So there's a massive demand uh, of of people, of ideas, uh, and ex- at the end of the day, of execution. And this is something what uh, maybe we Europeans, especially Germans and Austrians, uh, are quite known for for executing, uh, and they can really add value uh, to the industry here. Great thoughts, Gunter. Uh, so now I think we're coming to the end of it. And uh, you mentioned you gave a lot of good advice. And uh, I think with your experience, you can bring a lot into the, not just Sonomi, but the country itself. So what are your, like, just a, maybe closing question. So what are your top three priorities maybe for the next, uh, I don't know, for this year, for the next year, in terms of helping the country and the group and retail uh, arm of Sonomi grow? and expand? Is it learning? Is it making bottom line profitable? What are you focusing on in the next year? From a business point of view, for sure, uh, raising the top line, raising the bottom line, this is uh, goes without saying. That's, uh, I think, in every business the case. But beside that fact, really building a strong team because uh, and really try to create this momentum that everyone runs after the after our vision, after this normal vision, uh, in the way of what we want to achieve. And this is really great customer experience. Uh, no matter where you are, uh, get in touch with us, if it's in the brick and mortar business or if it's online, uh, and in the best, uh, best case, uh, we will become an omnichannel retailer sooner than later. That's actually the, the overall goal, uh, what we're looking into it, but, uh, really attracting great talents, uh, for our, for our organization, which have great ideas, uh, which hopefully bring us forward, uh, to the next, uh, level of retail in Saudi Arabia. So we give you now a promotion opportunity. So if they want, anyone wants to apply for these great talents, what's the email address on your website? You will find it on the website, but you, you just Google us. You will find us. Uh, say no me the name. I think has been shared quite often today. Uh, and if you're interested in an adventure, uh, like I am, I'm an adventurer, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, happy to share with you. Uh, and, uh, everyone who comes to Saudi Arabia, we will host him and show him the beauty of the country and the opportunities, uh, what's ongoing here. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.